Okay, so just a question, um, just for you to briefly talk amongst yourselves uh, to somebody next door to you. How do you react under pressure? Uh, some of, there's a few ideas here that might help. Um, are you like a rabbit in the headlights? Uh, or maybe you're indecisive? Uh, or are you ostrich, uh, putting an ostrich head, head in the ground? Or are you, do you feel under control of others? Or maybe you feel like you want to control the situation? Or this is me. Or do you just burst into tears? Just have a chat with amongst yourselves. So like, you know, keep it light. How do you deal with pressure? Right, just briefly, does anybody want to share? Is anybody brave enough to share? Which, how do you deal with pressure? Uh, can you relate to any of these? Or have you got some others? Great, so you work with other people. Yeah, that's a good idea. Sam? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think also, depending on how long pressure goes on for, you could go through cycles of this. So I, I don't think it's just one. It's just, you know, starting to think about, we're talking about being hard-pressed today. So, you know, just trying to think about how, how, how do you act under pressure? And then we're going to have a look at God's word and see how David act, acted. Um, so we've heard from the reading, um, you know, and we've heard we've been doing this series about uh, uh, the crooked crowns. Um, and we've heard so far all about David becoming anointed and, um, and many things that he's done. He's under, he's in, last week you should have been, you should have heard about Jonathan and his friendship and how Jonathan helped him. But let's take a quick look at David. Uh, he, David seems to have it all. He is king in waiting. He's anointed by God. He is strong, courageous warrior who has won many battles. He's a gifted musician. Uh, he's written many of the Psalms, uh, and he plays the harp, which is a really hard instrument I hear to, to play. He's been taken under Saul's wing and found favor with Saul's own son, Jonathan, who is willing to give up his right to become king so that David could become king. That's a big thing. Not only that, he is handsome, well-loved by his wife, who helps, to, helps him to, to disappear, the daughter of Saul, uh, so his wife is the daughter of Saul. He's celebrated wherever he goes. He is known for keeping the people of Israel safe from marauders. And people are comparing him to Saul and saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. So there is much for Saul to be jealous about, especially as David is receiving more adulation and praise than him. And even his own family are favoring himself favoring David over, over Saul. And I can't help, you know, I don't want to give a really false image. We've got this wonderful image of David being a wonderful man, but I, 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 I question whether somebody with so much adulation might actually have a little bit of pride in there as well. So, you know, we, we've got quite often lured up David as being a wonderful person, but we all know when you get into celebrity culture, if everybody's telling you how wonderful you are, you, there is a bit of pride in there. And maybe God needs to work on that as well. So in today's passage, we see these two kings actually meet, and we get a glimpse of their characters and what their priorities are. Uh, but we're going to need to catch up on the story to understand what kind of pressure that David is under. Uh, so he's, he's, fled, he's fled from the court. He, he's no longer say, uh, safe. 
And we go from chapters 21 to 23 of 1 Samuel, where there's different events that are occurring. So David is on the run. There's nowhere safe for him to hide. Wherever he goes, he is recognized as a great warrior. Initially, he's on his own, and he's vulnerable of being caught and held hostage for ransom, or maybe used by other kingdoms uh, as a mercenary. He also, he's fearing for his family's life, knowing that Saul won't just come for him, he'll come for his family. And while he's in his home area, he does manage to gather 400 men to, to come and fight with him. But these aren't the hardened warriors. These are men who are unhappy, indebted to the king, and basically disgruntled with Saul as king. But at least he's not on his own any longer. And the other thing is Saul has spies everywhere. And anyone who helps David is killed, including the priests that helped to feed David just after he fled from court. David feels the weight and the responsibility of these deaths. And this limits how and where he can find food and feed himself. He can't keep going into villages to, to ask for food and ask for help. And he's got 400 men to feed. He has to keep on moving. He's hiding in strongholds in the wilderness. And I don't know about you, but hiding 400 men and feeding them cannot be easy. He needs also to maintain the respect of these men under his command. And we already know the discontented men. They could turn on him at any point in time. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't keep their respect, you know, he's going to have an inward battle as well as an outward battle. And he also is responsible for their lives. If Saul catches them, they will lose their life. So David is constantly looking behind himself and fearing the trap that may lay ahead of him. The pressure is on. David is hard-pressed and he is challenged on every side. As we reach the end of chapter 23, Saul is closing in on David and Saul's army of 3,000 men are traversing across one side of the mountains and, the other, and David and his men are moving along the other side. And that leads us to the start of chapter 24, where David is hiding in this cave with his 400 men. And Saul and his army of 3,000 are right outside the mouth of the cave. If they are discovered, they are trapped, and there is no way out alive. Their only hope is that they will move on without searching the cave where they are hiding. David is hard-pressed. He's trapped. For months, he has been on the run for something he didn't do. Frustrated, maybe even angry, that um, he's been forced into running. Accused of trying to kill the king without any evidence or opportunity to plead his innocence. He's probably questioning, where is God in all of this? Why is he being persecuted and having to flee for his life? David is hard-pressed, and he's looking for a way out. At this point, worn out from the chase and no human way out, David is humbled and brought to his knees in a desperate prayer to God. And that is Psalm 142. And I'm just going to read some of it. And he says, I cry out to the Lord. I lift my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you, 
who watches over me. In my path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one on my right hand, and no one is concerned for me, for I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. This psalm gives a real sense of the pressure and the turmoil of David is under. And I'm sure many of us have actually felt that pressure and can relate to that kind of prayer. It's a prayer of desperation. David lays his feelings, his worries, his fears, his hurts before the Lord and acknowledges that that his life is in God's hands and it is in him he must trust. And the psalm finishes, I cry to you, Lord. I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am desperate in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name, that the righteousness will give me then the righteous will give me, gather about me because of your goodness to me. David remembers in the midst of his turmoil, his life is in God's hands, that it is God that gives him strength to face what is ahead and God who can rescue him from this place. And God answers David's prayer in quite an unusual way and the tables are turned. Saul walks into the cave completely on his own to relieve himself in private. Unbeknown to Saul, he is now the vulnerable one and an easy target for David and his men. And at this pressure point, I'm sure that David can sense the opportunity at hand, the possibility of relief, of freedom. No longer being pursued, he knew that he could take the crown Jonathan had already agreed to relinquish his right to it. The temptation to take the easy choice that appears to be presented by God. Even his men are saying, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give you your enemy in your hand for you to deal with as you wish. But David is cautious. David knows God's character. He chooses to test, chooses not to listen to his men who are wrapping up a temptation in language of biblical thing. And we we see this also as, as Jesus is tempted in the desert. So he chooses, knowing God's character, he chooses to test to see if he should take Saul's life. And David sneaks up and cuts some cloth from the Saul's robe and is immediately struck by his conscience. God makes it very clear that he is not to touch Saul. Saul is God's anointed king for this time. David realizes it's not his place to kill him or to choose the time of his death because David accepts God's sovereignty over his life. He obeys God, making the harder choice not to take the crown himself, but to wait for whatever God has planned. He instead rebukes his men for tempting him into doing wrong in God's eyes. So in this hard-pressed time and place, 
David made the righteous choice and sacrificially worshipped God in that cave. He worshipped God by doing what pleased God. And he chooses God's way over his own way. David was a strong and mighty warrior, but he still cried out to God for help. David was anointed by God to be king, but he wasn't ready to be king yet. God was allowing the pressure of the pursuit of David to develop David into a righteous king. A king who was humble, knowing that he is at God's mercy. A king whose desire is to follow God's way, to worship God and the decisions he makes. Being king, David would need to be sure of what to do and which way to go. And he couldn't do this based on what was right for him, what his own feelings were, but what was right for the nation and what God was leading him to. After Saul leaves the cave, we see this wonderful moment when the two kings meet and David shows Saul that he has an opportunity to kill him but hasn't taken it. And he says, The Lord gave you into my hand in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on the Lord anointed. By making the right choice, David has freed himself from sinning against God by not killing God's anointed king. But he's also released himself from future sinning as he gives judgment and punishment of of Saul's wrongdoing into God's hands. He's releasing himself from the sin of anger, malice, and revenge in the future. David knows that God's judgment will be just and complete. Saul knows that if the situation was on the other way round, he would have taken the opportunity to kill David. Through David's righteous choice, Saul becomes convicted of his own sin, and he realizes that he has acted unfairly towards David. And Saul says to David, you are my righteous, you are more righteous than I, you have treated me well, and I have treated you badly. At this place of meeting, we see the difference in the characters of the two kings. And we see that Saul is jealous and angry, whereas David is innocent, running for his life, having not done anything wrong. We see Saul, who is cruel, wanting to kill, but David is merciful, wanting to give way. Saul is arrogant and thinks he can do it all, whereas David is humble and comes before God. And Saul goes his own way and does things on his own, whereas David trusts God. And even Saul realizes who is the better man to be king of Israel and accept that this will be David's throne that God will use to establish the kingdom of Israel on. David's choice to go God's way also brought a season of peace for a while. While Saul, uh, for a while, Saul left David alone and there was a release of pressure for David and his men. It wasn't the easy choice. It was a harder choice. 
but it brought many, many good things out of it. Now, you may be in a hard place right now yourself. There has been many pressures on us all over the past few years with the pandemic and now the economic challenges that we're facing. There are many other pressures that also might be pressing in on you and you can relate to David's situation. Or you may be in a good place right now, but you can remember times when you have been hard-pressed and the challenges of the decisions you've had to make. And there are times and seasons in everyone's life when our hope is diminished and all we want is relief from the situation we are in. We are tempted to take the easy choices. And as part of our human nature, we can be tempted to take an opportunity to cheat, to bend the rules, to blame someone else, or to do what is best for me regardless of the impact it has on others. We tell ourselves we have no choice. It was the only way to save ourselves. Or in those moments when we're being falsely accused, when people have hurt us, or the situation is just so unfair and not our fault, we want to lash out. We want to hurt those who are hurting us, and we want to retaliate. We want to go lower than that person just so they know how hard it is and how bad it feels. And we justify our actions because the attack on us was unfair. They deserved it. For we have done nothing wrong. Or maybe we just want to keep on pushing on with our own agendas, trying to stay in control of the world around us, going our own way regardless of the warning signs, just striving for what we want and not humbling ourselves before God and saying, I seek your way, Lord, and not my own. And as we've seen from David, how we act under pressure counts. The choices and the decisions matter. Jesus tells us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And Paul in Romans 12 says, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. And the essence of this is that we should not repay evil with evil but we repay evil with good. That way, we will be rewarded for our good acts, for God sees all that we do. And in these pressure moments, uh, it is when our character is being developed. We are learning self-discipline and control over our human nature. It's in these times of being hard-pressed that our faith is growing and we learn to rely on ourselves less on ourselves and more on God. And it's when we humble ourselves and get down on our knees and cry out in desperate need that God shows the way. And whenever we choose to forego sin and live by God's way, God will always guide us. And I'm sure many of you will know that a diamond is made by being put under pressure, high pressure, for over a thousand years. Likewise, our character and faith is made into precious jewels as we go through the trials of life. And I know that there will be some people in this room who have been through trials which are heartbreaking. And... um, 
I can't imagine how difficult that, that must have been for some of you. And the answers to our prayers have not been quite what we hoped for or wanted them to be. But God never puts anything to waste. And God will have done some good through that and through those challenging and difficult times. God is still sovereign. And he will bring out the best in us as we continue to choose to follow him through the hard times. So when we are in a season of challenge and the pressure is on, we have two directions to go. We can choose to go our way, not knowing the full extent of what's to come, not knowing what will happen in the future. We can choose our timings, not knowing whether it's the right time or not. And we can show people our image. Or we can choose God's way, a God who knows all things, who is the beginning and the end. We can choose for God's timing, which the Bible tells us is perfect. And we can show God's image in how we act and how we behave. So remember that how you act counts and bears witness to those around you. Will you be willing to choose the mystery of the unknown of God's way and be surprised by the answer he provides?